Welcome to Scatterbrain Podcast, episode 164. We have a guest today. Yes, we do. Tim, Tim B from Paroxysmal, back to the podcast. Tim's the vocalist for North San Diego County-based death metal band Paroxysmal. Paroxysmal, formerly known as Paroxysmal Butchering. Proximal. Tim and Josh, the guitarist, joined us for two back-to-back episodes. Episode 120 in the Haunted Apartment Complex and 121, talking about UFOs and weird shit like that. And more recently, you guys joined us for our year-end episode for 2022. So that was super awesome. So uh, thanks for joining us today. I appreciate you taking your time. Absolutely. I, I love this podcast. <laughs> cool. No, uh, no, Josh today. No, he is not available. That guy is booked solid for the foreseeable future. He's he's uh, producing a bunch of bands right now. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, so when he's not when he's not at work or with his wife, he's doing that. Yeah, well, hey, you know, I remember the last time we spoke with him, I think it was, that he had just finished um, taking the, the courses for the audio production and stuff. So that's awesome. He's putting it to use. Yeah. Oh, definitely. So first things first, I think uh, before we get too deep into it here, for those who missed our last episodes with you, or have never heard of the band, Paroxysmal, can you tell us about the band, um, where you guys are out of, how you would describe your music, all that good stuff? Absolutely. So yes, we are Paroxysmal, formerly Paroxysmal Butchering. Uh, we are a brutal death metal band from North County, San Diego. It was started as a solo project in 2007. And in 2012, we got members and became like a an actual band. Uh, we've released three albums. On June 30th, we'll be releasing our fourth album. Uh, we play a kind of a fun mix of brutal death metal where we play a lot of like black metal riffs and technical death metal riffs and dissonant death metal riffs and slams and which are basically just like breakdowns, but in hardcore music, pretty much. It's just, it's a fun mix of heavy music. I'd say. It's very complex. I'll say that much. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. <laughs> brutal, brutal as hell, man. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Very brutal. Yeah. <laughs> so can I ask you uh, what the name change was about? Does that reflect like, a different spot you guys are at with the band, a different direction. Are you switching to um, country now? Like, what's going on with the name? Yeah, band? yes, yes, and especially yes. No, um, uh, basically, the whole paroxysmal butchering thing, we found ourselves, me and Josh mainly, I'm not going to speak for Billy, but me and Josh found ourselves in a lot of the forums and a lot of the things that we post getting pigeonholed as, you guys are brutal death metal. And it's like, well, yes, but we have other sounds, you know, we we – play other styles of music no 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 you're brutal death i don't like brutal death and it's like but at least like give us a listen no i don't like brutal death and it's like well seriously and so after a while we we just one day i go hey what have you ever thought about a name change and he's like it's funny that you talk about that he's like i think that it'd be good if we did he's like because honestly people see our name and they just they're instantly turned off and i'm like i i get that you know completely the style of our name or the name no longer fit our style. We were no longer that kind of like uh brutal death, you know, everything's gore imagery, everything's violence for the sake of violence type stuff. We we don't sing about that stuff anymore. The music doesn't really sound like it's progressive death metal. Yeah. Thank it's, you. Yeah. That's yeah. It's yeah. 
it's it's complex it's well written it's progressive as hell it's got a steep learning curve but once you get to know the songs they're fucking great i appreciate that and that's and uh, so i mean really paroxysmal became one of those things where it's like okay sudden violent unexpected that's our music that's what we sound like so why not just drop the butchering stop turning off potential listeners because people who know us know us that's great but to the much you know broader public who have no idea who we are they see that name and they're just like eh, not interested you know and so it's like we at least want to give ourselves a fighting chance to be listened to because at this point we feel that we actually have music that we want people to listen to before it was kind of just like here's the music we put out. We're not really proud of it, but here it is. We're proud of force feeder, our, our upcoming album. So, you know, we, we want to showcase that to people. Yeah. You were kind enough to let us listen to a little bit of it a while back. And I'm sure that the final version and everything came out. Awesome. I can't wait to, to hear it. When does it come out? June 30th on CDN records. Awesome. So that's yeah. uh, just coming up here. Yep. Less than a week away. You guys have been doing some shows. I've seen, I've yeah. seen some activity there. Uh, I think two or three of the shows you guys were doing, they were within ease for me to normally get to, but out of town and different stuff. So I just couldn't make it work. <laughs> but uh, you guys are playing with some other awesome bands. Tell us what you guys have had going on lately. Well, we've been playing. We played a couple shows with Pieces, who is a really awesome band. They're from somewhere out between L.A. and the high desert. I'm not sure where exactly they're centered out of. But I know their members, I think, range from those cities. We played with them, Brutally Butchered. We played with uh, a couple of really awesome San Diego bands that I'm trying to remember. It was Till Two. And then we played this amazing show with Temblad and with Fermentor at Soda Bar. Yeah, dude, I wanted to go to that one. I was out of town for that one. I wanted, yeah. Ooh, that was a good one, man. Yeah, it was an awesome show. Yeah. So were that, was uh, that to sort of uh, help promote the force feeder or was it just you guys had some time to do some shows? I know you mentioned Josh is pretty busy. Yeah, we just a couple shows got offered to us and they all fell in line with times that we had available. So it was like, yeah, let's just play all five of these shows or four of these shows at, at once and just get them knocked out. And the Temblad show was actually to promote their release of Hallucinosis, their their new album, which is freaking unreal. That those guys put out amazing music, but uh, yeah, we were playing in support of that coming out. That's, that's awesome, dude. Um, and you guys played up somewhere. Out, I mean, out of San Diego area was like the Inland Empire somewhere. Victorville. Yeah, that was a, that was, that was a fun show. That was a weird show. Um, the venue was really cool. The people who ran it were really awesome people. It was just in a super sketchy area where it was like, ooh, <laughs> you know, it's just, we were like across the street from a biker bar and it was like 2 a.m. and they're blaring Nelly and out there yelling at each other. It's like, ah, we should get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome. God. <laughs> Terrible. Hey, how many songs are on the new album then? You're going to, you kept all the songs from the, the stuff you let us hear? They're yeah, all there? Seven. Seven songs? Okay. Yeah. I think we sent you guys the full thing. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. Still on my, it's still on my drive. I'm still listening to it. Hell so yeah. it's going to be kind of cool hearing the uh, the edited, you know, final version. It's going to be kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. Did Josh produce that one? Oh, yeah. This is like his his magnum opus. Like, this is his, his big boy. Uh, he put so much time and effort into this one. And the... You hear the progression, like amygdala really allowed you to hear what a decent 
producer Josh had become because our first effort was like, oof, you know, we, we're trying, you know, our second effort was like, okay, this is a little better. This is good. And then Amygdala was like, this is not bad. This is really decent. Force feeders actually like for the people who have heard the finished product, they're like, God damn, like, you know, <laughs> they're, they're, they're hyping us up about it where before we were just thinking, okay, here's another album. But now the, the people who have listened to it are telling us like, no, man, this is a solid album. This is like the real deal. And so who knows, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Um, how many people are in the band right now? Right now we have three members, me, Josh, and Billy. However, we have a second guitarist and a bass player who we're uh, currently getting everything together with to to round out the lineup. Oh, okay, cool. All right. So but he, is, he, is he doing all the is he doing all the music out? He's doing all the music on the album then, or with a different drummer? I mean, with your drummer, who's doing the bass on the album? On the on the album, it's our former bass player Mike, who's uh, oh okay, who's okay. Oh, yeah. I see. Okay, sorry. I don't know. No, yeah, uh, yeah. Mike's an incredibly talented bass player, and he 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 added a lot to to those songs. So yeah, we're uh, it's definitely it's one of those albums where you're happy with all the aspects of it. Like in the past, like with uh, Amygdala, I was happy with the album musically, but vocally, I was very disappointed with my work. I'm happy with my work on this album. You know. Yeah, I don't really know how you do that on vo on vocals. I thought you were using some sort of effect, but. <laughs> it's pretty hey, weird it comes easy like it looks like i mean yeah, <laughs> not for me <laughs> get, i i don't know how you get those guttural fucking do, do it once for me please what kind whatever you want <clears throat> you, did, okay, you did it last time and you went so low i went what the fuck because it totally sounded fake here let me give you two let me see okay, okay. oh oh you're bleeding out you're bleeding out yeah oh, hold on Too let me loud. hold the phone away don't be so powerful, oh, Tim. Yeah, Come don't on. be don't be so powerful. Sorry, sorry. I generate from my loins here. Okay. Here. Tell me if you can hear this. Okay, can you hear me? Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. that might work. <laughs> can you hear that? I think the noise canceling maybe edited like stopping it because uh <laughs> I heard it and then it cut out. Oh well, well, yeah. That's, that, that was so <laughs> that was hot was for crazy. television. I had to mute it because I was laughing so hard. It was so low, everything just went cut. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, gone. Anyway, yeah, that's impressive. So uh tell us about about uh the whole process with the album. I mean, if you you're, okay. you said that you're so you're happy with the vocals, what's different? Uh obviously more experience if Josh has been doing these for a while. And what's what's different about this album? Okay, I'm going to start vocally because that's what I'm doing on it. I can hear exactly what I put into it. Like in the past, it's very hard to to produce a sound that sounds natural without taking all the bass away from it or without having it just be a big muffled fart sound. You know, like it's it's impossible to sound like you sound on recordings. At least for us, it's been that way. Like on the first album, it was a struggle to get my voice to sound the way it sounds. We were using different mics on the second and third album. This album, we used a really great mic. It picks up everything so crystal clear that what you hear on the album is what I'm doing. Because we've never used uh, like effects or anything, you know. And so... Out of curiosity, what kind of mic is it? It is a Rode Pod mic. Rode Pod mic, all right. They're so dirt cheap and so durable, and they're amazing mics. Yeah, 
I was I was just you sure that's what you find out there. So that's what you use. Yeah, no, I I use sure live uh recording wise. We've used a sure SM58A beta, I wanna say. And we've gotten great results with that. We've used the Sure SM7B, and I guess we didn't have the right accessories for it or something because it just did not sound good to us. Like neither me nor Josh thought, like, okay, this is what we're going for. You know, <laughs> like, we stopped yeah. using it halfway through. Yeah, I've kind of hit or miss with the Sure mics. You know, one will be like the best mic I ever used, and the next one's just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> they seem to kind of have the the market cornered, though. I was just wondering if there's anything else good out there, other you know, that doesn't cost a thousand or two thousand dollars. No, that Rode pod mic was a hundred bucks. Oh shit! Even I can afford that. Cool. <laughs> so, how long did the writing take and and the recording and all that? Well, it was written back in 2014, 2015, because I wrote that album, that those seven songs and the seven songs before it. That was originally Amygdala. It was just one gigantic. 14 track like 90 minute album and then i was like that's just overkill like no one's gonna listen to that entire album you know so we cut it in half and amygdala became its own thing and then force feeder became its own thing but as the years went on i started taking stuff out and adding stuff in and then it became these different songs and now what you have on the album is just like probably six years of just working on riffs until they sound the way you want them to and then uh the drums i just wrote you know with the guitars and the vocals same thing but mike being the really talented guy that he is on bass he just put his knowledge of music theory to use and just everything we did he complimented it on bass and so it was like you couldn't ask for a better result recording wise you know but you're not just a, a musician right i mean you yeah. you write books and stuff too i know you mentioned um your book, The Eastern Outskirts, and then you released a part two. Yeah. Uh, I, haven't, I, haven't that anything, I haven't read anything from part two at all. Part two is a lot grittier. <laughs> That's what she said. I know. <laughs> it's like if part one was the rated R version, part two would be the rated NC-17 version. <laughs> See, that's just like, okay, when you said that, I was like, eh, maybe I'll hold off on reading this a little bit. Because part one, <laughs> one was, was pretty nuts, dude. Yeah, you cover uh, you cover some interesting characters in the writing, and I guess it kind of complements the genre of, of music you guys are doing as well. But uh, you know, you you get I, for me, I've always been fascinated with with certain ideas about like getting glimpses into the worlds of these very strange types of people: nutty, crazy, nasty, whatever it is. Um, yeah, you, you could take the the uh, mainstream media one of like a uh, buffalo bill from silence of the lambs or you could think of like actual people and so it's interesting though interesting in a movie it's more interesting when there's these things and these characters that are like real you know you can read i, I lived through the whole richard ramirez thing the night stalker thing he was kind of in southern california when i was a kid and all that and so to come back and hear years later the story and all these things and then to think about the places he was hanging out, you just wonder what's what's that like? What's going on there to be like a fly on the wall? And you cover some of these these odd situations. <laughs> that's I'm that's an awesome take, right? That's about right. From the uh, from the perspective of the fly, you know, right? yeah. I mean, that's basically what it, really the fly 
reply in that case was a 13-year-old homeless kid because that's all it was was me just watching these crazy fucking people doing crazier than shit things and just being like, who watches these these people? Like, who's in charge here? You know, <laughs> and and uh, over the years, those those stories kind of ferment in your mind, and and you add things to them to make them funnier or weirder or scarier or whatever. And then when you're writing, they just come out that way, and it's like it. You get such a a first person look at it because you're hearing the story from somebody who was there first person. You know. Now, is it the same? It's the same name, part two, right? Yeah, uh, the Eastern Outskirts is the first book, and then the Eastern Outskirts Nonstop Turbo Noir is the second one. Nonstop Turbo Noir. Now, are you in the process of writing anything right now? Anything else? Yes, Daily Affirmations is going to be out soon. I'm a. Uh, oh no, I'm, that sounds like it's going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's basically uh, just a bunch of random snippets in in like situations in into the lives of those characters because oh okay okay yeah like a lot of times there'll be something where i don't really have a place to put that in a story so i just leave it out but i have a big bank of all the situations and i basically just sort of regurgitating the situations into story form and so what you're left with is like you could just read a passage a day and just feel dirty and gross for the rest of the day you know <laughs> it's like those little motivational calendars or something yeah. that people might have had on their desk back in the day something like that <laughs> just reading about a cop getting his face eaten you're like okay i'm gonna go to work now that's what i'm gonna do <laughs> perfect jesus you're right well we ran into each other a, a few months ago probably over there at pure project it was pure project right in miramar it was new motion new motion and that was yeah. a pretty cool arts and crafts thing. They had music going on and obviously beer and cider and things. Uh, have you done that again or that, does that thing still go on? It's There's actually one going on today. Um, I haven't been in two months, but it's because just my scheduling hasn't allowed it. Um, for I, I want to say three months I was there, though, for the for, you know before that. Why do I not know what the fuck you guys are talking about? Oh, I'm so sorry. Okay, so... New Motion Beverages out in, uh, you said Miramar, right? Yeah, they're off Miramar. Yeah. It's it's a brewery, and they hold this art market called BizBaz. BizBaz is run by these really awesome people named Jules and Steven. And they basically have a bunch of artists who you'll have in one stall, somebody drawing you as anime. In the next stall, a girl who makes these really awesome acrylic things that look like the cosmos. In one stall, it'll be like wild card market where it's like keychains and and uh, and coffee mugs and different stuff with like pop celebrities on it. It's just that just random stuff, you know. That's and then cool. there's me selling my books about murdering cannibalism. Oh, that's, that's cool. <laughs> you know, over in that over around that same area, there's another uh, brewery that has like the the thrash and death metal, like basically a swap meet, and and it's just all thrash metal and death metal stuff. And it's fucking awesome. Yeah. Every booth is like, it's just like a swap meet. And it's in the back of um, driveway part of uh, of the uh, brewery. God, I wish I could remember the name of the brewery. But you can buy anything and everything there, like from rock shirts to like pins, just anything that's metal, you know, like your your spikes, your studs, everything. It's fucking awesome, dude. Yeah, it's and the San Diego all... Metal Swap Meet. They've been doing it for a while, right? Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. It's so much fun. It really is. And then they have like the back doors open to the brewery. So you can just wander in and out of these big doors, you know, and they have the whole back part you know the drive in the back is all like 
boarded off so no cars can go through and everyone can go out there and drink and fucking talk metal and it's fucking great and, and uh yeah some yeah hot women there too i must say uh i like chick, <laughs> chicks in leather and who like thrash metal it's it's always pleasing <laughs> this pleases me <laughs> <laughs> well uh, you have to let me know when you go when you go back or let us know when you're going back and try to catch oh, absolutely. you absolutely yeah i want to yeah i want to go i didn't even know about this it's fun and they have good food there too it's always a different a different vendor oh yeah that's right they had food there too i forgot about that barbecue everything it's great it's fucking great. We'll check it out again next time. So enough about the music thing. In uh, one yeah. of our previous conversations, we you told us about the crazy poltergeist activity in your apartment yeah. complex that you lived in. You mentioned something about uh, you having more personal experiences with haunted stuff. Uh, that was a place you worked or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I've wanted to ask you about that. Ask away as long as you promise me that before we leave, we can talk about this whole Congress UFO uh, stuff going on. <laughs> Let's do that. We'll cut oh, this part out. Fuck yes, we want. I want to cut that part out. We can I, skip the poltergeist. We'll just go yeah, ask you same yeah. question that about sh- UFOs. Just fucking, I've been wanting to talk about this. Yeah, bring it on. Okay, come on. All right, Mister Skeptic. What do you think now, huh, Dan? Huh, 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 huh? Well, you saw something too, though. So I don't. know. I don't know if you're really a skeptic per se, right? No, I guess not. No, <laughs> you're a debunker, I should say. Everyone should be a skeptic, but I'm yeah, not a right. debunker. I'm not like a Joe Nickel or something. You're like a couple, you know, steps down. You're 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 just under Joe Nickel. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. But well, yeah, that's pretty uh, pretty intense, huh? This whistleblower guy. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Did you? Okay. So have you read the thing about the wedge shaped ship? Like recently, right? And then they they had like cop. <laughs> body cam footage showing the same thing like where that's, that oh in vegas that green yeah. no, fireball no, 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 came no. down that's a whole different no, thing I'm talking about the uh it, the the congress the whistleblower his report about the wedge-shaped ship the 30-foot wedge-shaped ship uh he, uh Col- coltard or whatever that the the guy from australia interviewed him and it was like a over three-hour interview and i watched the whole fucking thing yeah so i yeah that guy's got all kinds of info but he's still not quite in the loop dude that's the thing because he was supposed to be in the loop and he got so pissed off because part of it's an ego thing or, or like a, a power thing he wasn't given the access he was supposed to get and he looked into it and did minor research i mean more than i did obviously but it was so obvious all the evidence is right there that this shit's happening so he came out and said it's happening well for the the dummies like me tell us what's going on with this situation just give me the top Wait, overview do you want like the layman version of my version or probably the more advanced version Whatever you want. I'm going to spew my point of view too. So just however you want to do it. Okay. So basically, from the the layman's standpoint, from what I've seen and heard and read, is that this whistleblower has presented like evidence to Congress that Congress was bypassed in an effort to basically keep like 11 UAPs or UFOs in US possession. And like Congress is like, hey, we were supposed to be notified of this if if you're handing over UFOs to other agencies and shit. And Bob Lazar uh, was telling the truth. And so one of the ships was apparently a 30 foot wedge. And when the agent went inside the, the ship, he felt that he was in there for four minutes. And when he came out, they had told him he was in there for four hours. Right. He was nauseous and disoriented. And right. he said that inside the ship was as big as a football stadium. He said when he walked in, it was fucking huge. And then he walked out and it was like so disorienting. Cause like, well, how does that even work? 
It's like they have complete mastery of time and space and dimensions and everything. Fucking and then tripping. so here's where here's where the shit gets really like okay. So you think, well, I can't believe Congress is even gonna like look this over. And now you have congressmen, you have two Republican congressmen coming out so far saying we've read the evidence and he's not he's not lying. He's telling the truth. So it's like, okay. <laughs> and his credit has credentials check out and everything. And um, he said he's basically said he has a conscience and he doesn't want to be an old man and and have this weighing on his conscience. And it makes me think of all the people who have held this secret selfishly, man, fucking selfishly. And have they even bothered having a conscience or, or felt re regret that this guy was wanting to not feel later in life? So we wanted to come out. It's like people need to know this. Right. And it solves so many fucking problems for 80 years now, dude. And it's been held. It's bullshit. Eleven craft, not just one or twelve. I think. Yeah, he said damaged and intact. And they weren't all the wedge, though, right? They were different no, types. I think they were different types. But here's what scares me about the wedge: was that an immigrant ship? Like, why do you need a ship that's the size of a football stadium on the inside unless you're housing a football stadium worth of people? And then you think about like because you have, the your, 50s, you have smaller huh? craft on the end. You have smaller uh, like reconnaissance craft on the inside. That's why. Yeah, but I mean. But it's just like it makes me think like when you think about the 50s and the 60s when they were projecting that by the year 2050, the population of the of the world will be 8 billion people. And it's like 2020 and here we are at 8 billion people. And it's like, did we have a huge population jump because a lot of people or a lot of beings were brought over here from parts unknown? <laughs> right. And yeah, I read the other day that like some 300,000 Americans, not people, but just Americans go missing every year just vanish some end up being found or found dead or whatever but just i mean vanish a good majority that's of a the big number that's a big number it's like well how is a population climbing so fast then if all these people are that's just the u.s right doesn't make any sense yeah. the math doesn't well there's more than three hundred thousand people born every year so i mean that would just make sense right i mean yeah but shut up dan <laughs> <laughs> god damn it but yeah, that, that whole whistleblower thing, I was just like, see, this is shit I've known forever just from doing a little bit of research, right? I wasn't like completely invested in it either. I'm just like an amateur UFO, you know, researcher. That's all I am. And it was like so obvious. All the evidence is so fucking there, more so than for like black holes before the picture was taken. All kinds of fucking, like in a court of law, there's this eight, nine, ten fucking decades of pretty solid evidence, not just like not just sightings and reports, but, um, you know, tracked by radar and photographs and, and video and film, all kinds of shit, man. And everyone goes, oh, no, that's all fake. Fucking yeah. high. Well, here's, here's my kind of conspiracy theory about this whole thing. I looked into the two congressmen who are coming out in support of this guy. One's an anti-Semite and one's a kitty diddler. So it's like, oh. Ooh. And so it makes me think, like, are they deliberately getting unsavory characters who have no credibility to support this to discredit it? <laughs> Probably. It's like hiding Actually, in plain you sight. You know what I mean? Mix the yeah, yeah. with with uh, fiction and all kinds of ways to cloud, murk, murk up the waters, cloud the waters, right? It's, or so make 50 it 50 years, they could say, we didn't lie. We told you. You just didn't care to listen. Right. When, you know, when so-and-so came out and said, yeah, this is true. And you go, yeah, but you're sending 
pictures of yourself to 14 year old girls online i don't trust you you know well it's a, it's like putting the truth out there but with like a plausible doubt you know what i mean so yeah. you know mm, that's the truth and you have your eyebrow up like mm, i don't know yeah exactly you know? <laughs> that's intentional dude that's intentional i agree well it's got to be yeah. a, i think of things like this is a spectrum of possibility right you can say that some of this stuff i think is fully military or you know experimental type stuff but it can't all be that you know what no. i mean and yeah there's hoaxes and there's you know light aberrations there's all kinds of things optical illusions uh misidentified black projects all kinds of shit right but some of them are from somewhere else so that means it's happened so maybe they're not hiding it because they don't want people to freak out they're hiding it because they're already here coming in big ships they want to militarize it that's all it is power it's about power so what's what's the what's the pushback on this or what's happening with this whole conspiracy thing i mean is it something that's readily like it, it's getting a lot of attention and people are well that's the, about it is on the television that's the if you're not hearing an awful lot about it i'm hearing about it on like two websites granted i visit maybe five websites total you know so i don't know what, how grand my scope is but but uh i'm not hearing an awful lot about it and i think that's probably one of those things where in the last couple months they've been releasing and disclosing information and they're just doing it out in plain sight much to everyone's apathy where it's just like yeah whatever i don't it's more than two paragraphs i'm not gonna read that and that's kind of the end of it you know yeah, like me and my yep. friend Frank. My friend Frank runs the uh, Moon Base Burn Run podcast. It's all about alien disclosure and that sort of thing. And we've talked about this a couple of years ago. Where when it comes out, it's going to be one of those things where the government just puts it in front of us, and we don't even care. It's just like, yeah, what else is on? You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think a lot that. of people. I think yeah, I think a lot of people though they they have already figured out that this is happening, whether the government says so or not. So that's why they're just kind of going, yeah, whatever. For sure. Yeah. And you can also say that they're acclimating people to it, right? I mean, they've been doing you know, well, they have been since the 40s, man. Yeah. But it's, it's like that's, you know what? That's probably the most reasonable look at that. It's like, yeah, they they did visit us. We knew you'd lose your shit. We've been easing you into it for the past 80 years. Get over it. You know? <laughs> I'd buy that, you know. <laughs> that's exactly that's right. nefarious. Yeah. Yeah, I think if they wanted to take us over, either they're like fattening us up for a good meal or something, but they would have done that years and years and years ago. They clearly sure. have the capability. Yeah. Yeah. If they have I the capabilities to get it to us, yeah, they have the capabilities to do what they I, want. I just have a feeling we're we're lucky in the sense that I think a majority of them are, if not benevolent, they, they just are neutral. Like they're not against yeah. us, not for us, but maybe there's some resource they want to protect. But for some reason, I think the really seedy, the bad evil ones, the, the really malignant fucking alien races are somehow less powerful and unable to get to us in a way, in a sense. So we're somehow being shielded. I think it seems pretty obvious. Well, if there's like a galactic UN or something or intergalactic UN where they realize like, yeah, there's some weaker links here, like Earth, you know? <laughs> oh, big time Earth, big time Earth, yeah. And we're a red flag, so there's two things against us. But you know those guys eat each other? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's actually like that that land that they're on that shifts around, it's not even permanent, and they like kill each other over it. It's bizarre. <laughs> so, it gets, you, yeah. huh? you, so you see, Ian, we've talked about it before, like the different uh proposed species the different types of beings we see that with the different kinds of ships that are reported as well 
You know, you see the wing ones that they had that were kind of like what you described or what they had over Phoenix during like with the Phoenix lights. You see the spheres. You see the little ones that look like they have like little antenna coming off of them. There's different. Obviously, the 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 saucer, the Tic Tacs, they have different shapes. Um, so it would make sense that most likely there are different types. Although I guess we make many different kinds of cars, so who knows? But do you think all of them are like uh, what's the word? Like biological entities, or are they like drones? Because that's one possibility to me that I think that these distances are so far. Maybe they're just drones that they can ship I, off. I think they're mostly. I think they're mostly drones. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it makes, it, it makes more sense. It's like what we do. That's what we do. We send out drones, right? You know, it's less dangerous, so a lot less expensive. So why why would you not do it that way? Yeah, but then they're sending these big ships. I know, but think about where we want to be as humans. We don't want to just always be sending probes out. We want to go out and do it ourselves. We want to, you know, if there were like humans on Mars getting samples, we could figure shit out like in a day. But, it, you know, you got a rover out there and it's they don't know if it's contaminated, this and that and the other. But uh, that's the most logical thing to start with is probes. But sooner or later, the more advanced ones are going to go, want to go personally, send their scientists or, and explorers out there and check things out for themselves. I would think it's what we want to do. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, if you're going to go as far as saying they're, they're, if they're getting drones and that kind of thing out here, I don't see why they couldn't. I mean, this is purely like sci-fi at this point, but just uh, the bigger ships just use it as like colonization and when you're ready, transmit your consciousness or whatever you are at that point where you're from to the ship and you're there, you know, like use that as like a, uh, as kind of a ground zero for your operations. So like a relay and center, they can grow these bodies, <laughs> whatever they need them yeah. and teleport them yeah, to the network. Produce, exactly. Produce it from there, get your consciousness, put it in the body and you're, and you're off, you know. That sounds plausible to me. You know, and there's a researcher, he, he's since died, but his name was Jim Mars. And he said something that always stuck with me. He goes, you know what I think all this stuff really is? He goes, it's everything. And that always stuck with me. Like, it is everything. It's everything from hoaxes to interdimensional to coming from other fucking solar systems. It's everything, dude. That's trippy. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. even when you get into things where it's like when they, they're having constantly new discoveries and it's they're reshaping the models that they use to explain everything. So there's stuff here that's interacting and interfacing with what we're our, our part of reality that we don't even understand what's going on. It wasn't that James Webb telescope is figuring new stuff, seeing things that are just stumping scientists, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. They're seeing, I think very, well, obviously very far, but I think to like within half a million years of big bang and seeing all that, that's, that's insane. That's nuts. I read they, recently. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Uh, no, I was reading recently. Do you know that star Methuselah that they had proposed was like 16 billion years old? It was like older than the universe itself. How is that possible? Methuselah. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Methuselah was 16 billion years old and scientists were just scratching their heads. Like, how does this work? Because by all calculations with how much uh, iron and how much uh, helium and how much hydrogen it had, it had to be this old. And by its size, it had to be this old, right? They're like, we have to figure out what the age of this thing is, or we have to reestimate how old the universe is. What do you want to do? And they're like, oh, fuck, let's try to get this star a little younger. So, like, they're working with it, right? And long story short, they figure out that because the star was not iron rich, they're, they're thinking like, oh, 
it's not iron rich, so it is this old because it, you know, like it would produce this much iron. And some scientist looks at it completely backwards and is like, or it was created at a time where iron wasn't rich and plentiful in the universe. And they're like, oh, no shit. Like, right? That could have been it. So they look for a time, and I'm, I'm butchering this. I'm sorry. But, like, long, I, I keep saying long story short, they got it down to, like, thir- or 12 billion years. And so now it's still a very, very old star. But it was just so cool the way they – all these scientists from around the world took all their tools to basically – figure out this big math problem that was stumping one scientist or one group of scientists. <laughs> That's the way science should work. Exactly. Yeah. But it was so cool. Like I, you got to read, because if you read it, it's obviously going to be a lot more cohesive and make a lot more sense than what I was just rambling on about. But you read it and you're like, holy shit. Like these guys honestly just came together and figured this out. <laughs> you know, what cracks me up. You know what Methuselah was? That yeah. was yeah. The, the guy in the Bible that lived like forever. He was like 969 or 986 yeah, exactly. years old or something. Something crazy. Him and uh, not Lazarus, but um, who was the other one? There was another guy who lived like a thousand years. I forget. Anyway, yeah, I love that name, Methuselah. <laughs> and now there's also something about, isn't it Beetlejuice? Like purportedly it either has exploded. I mean, we won't get the light for a long time, but uh, either has exploded or will explode in the next like 100,000 years or something. But it's kind of overdue. It's like it's going to fucking go supernova pretty soon. But it may have already. Have you read about that? No. Yeah, they were slight years away, so we would. Yeah, they they saw. I I guess like speaking for the layman's terms, it getting dimmer. You know, so sort of like flickering in a way that they wouldn't expect. That I guess was supposed to be indicative of that type of thing happening or getting ready to happen. Be like you said, Ian, it's so far away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it goes in cycles, though, apparently, you know, there's a certain period where it dims and then gets brighter. Like, I guess those super giants or massive stars that happens. But for some reason, I think they said the dimming was either longer or more intense this time before it brightened back up. And so they thought that was a sign or an indicator that it might be going supernova, something like that. Huh. I love reading those stories where you just get lost in it. You're like, I can't, I'm not even going to pretend that I followed along the entire way, but man, that was interesting. <laughs> yeah. And just the scale of it all, realizing it's so yeah, beyond exactly. comprehension. Yeah. The universe is almost 14 billion years old, but can I really conceptualize 14 billion? Probably not. Right. You know? Oh, fuck no. Yeah. Hell no. It it's almost feels like it, it almost feels like the universe should be older than that, though. I don't know why. Billions just seems like not that long in the big scheme of things i guess but 14 yeah, like, as billion, long as there's not... a bigger number it should be that bigger number yeah but it's hard to like dan said it's hard to conceptualize how many millions go into a billion you know what i mean yeah and then when you when you lay it out like that it's like holy shit that's a lot <laughs> so what it comes down to is that the scale is so big beyond comprehension yeah. literally there's many possibilities it could be that you know, I don't think so, but we could be the cutting edge of everything, and that's just what it is. Or <laughs> somewhere else. Could you, you imagine? That's <laughs> <laughs> a funny fucking statement. Bleeding edge. Classic. Like the cavemen. Okay, yeah. <laughs> cavemen with spears axing each other and fucking, yeah. yeah. You never the know. Pinnacle, the very first one had to be the <laughs> so first So saith one. us. <laughs> anyway. So, you know, when you get to these scales, I mean, just looking at the sheer probability you we the drake equation ian all these other things that try to quantify this when it's really just beyond comprehension so you can't rule out anything it's bizarre 
It's so strange. Yeah. We don't even come too close to understanding. Oh, Dan, your logic becomes so tiresome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. It's not just me. <laughs> didn't, they, didn't they didn't they see something? I don't know exactly what, but that, that, that makes him wonder if there was even a big bang or something. I think you were talking about that at one point. Some sort of like new evidence or something they saw makes them wonder if there it actually everything is infinite we just we can't see past a certain spot because of how far we can see how far how long it takes light to get here like it could actually go beyond that curtain right yeah just yeah. that it fizzles out that it's expanding right. at a rate that the light that it just runs out of energy you'll never see it because just well it's, it's expanding faster than the speed of light so we'll never see it yeah that's crazy imagine if the big bang was just like a tachyon burst just like a ton of tachyons all at once just constantly fleeting past the speed of light, like infinitely outrunning light. So we never get to see it. We never know what it is. It's the dark energy that ties the universe together. And we're just living in this big field of it, not knowing what it is, never being able to see it, always fighting to discover what it is and never succeeding. <laughs> Didn't you just describe like dark energy or, or I think or that's why I described it as well. <laughs> <laughs> you described it perfectly. Yeah, okay. But they know it's there because otherwise gravity would somehow maybe cause us to like come together or there'd be a big crunch eventually everything's speeding away from each other exponentially though so there's got to be some sort of force that basically negates gravity there has to be but there's no evidence of it so why do they say it's actually real then so it's a catch-all right it it's a catch-all it's a catch-all catch yeah, right it's okay. a catch-all yeah. we see these effects we see these things orbiting in this way moving in this way we see that mm -hmm. we interpret that as gravity and we can't explain mm -hmm. it because we haven't seen it. But then you look at with sure. the James Webb and we're seeing all this stuff now. So yeah. a lot of this uncertainty, a lot of this, what you'd call dark matter, dark energy, those things, a lot of that now we can, you know, we, I say like, I'm, I'm living on the edge of this part of the community. Discovery, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we as a species, we'll say. <laughs> Dan's pretty secretive. He might be a man in black after all. So be careful. <laughs> Technically. <laughs> <laughs> okay right 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 but anyway uh yeah i love that james webb thing i'm surprised they give us a, as much information as they do but it doesn't include aliens so why not exactly yeah. well you know it could be other things too it could be whatever poltergeists or these uh ghosts it can be any any of these things that could also be attributed to it right people have it's ghosts building flying saucers i think you fucking solved it dude podcast done <laughs> ghosts build flying saucers um, and the dolphins they come out of the ocean sometimes maybe the dolphins are fucking smarter than we think they are da, 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 da. okay sorry it could be anything it could be anything that's it, it could be anything what what about the whole hypothesis that uh, some of these if not most of them that come they see them coming out of the water they're like the transmedium they don't even lose speed when they go into the water which is fucking insane right they can go right out into space without slowing down. So they're transmedium. What if there's actually like, do you think there's a possibility? The crushing depths down at the bottom of the oceans, places we've never explored. Could there possibly be beings down there that aren't human? They could have there are. down there. What there are. they just have such amazing well, if they're transmedium, I guess they wouldn't be susceptible to the crushing depths like humans. Topical. Yeah. If they anyway. come from a really high pressure atmosphere or something, they might need that atmosphere to survive the way that we would need to find an oxygen rich planet to survive. 
Would you have ever gotten on that fucking thing, that sub that just cr- that imploded? Absolutely recently? not. No, was, those people are insane. Idea. Dude, I didn't realize till today that that shit was made out of like a wound, like carbon fiber. That's bullshit. That's fucking, are you trying to die? It was I mean, sold to them by Boeing who told them, by the way, this is past its expiration date. Don't use this for any high pressure activity. Right. And, and it went down like 20 something times. And so it, it was bolted to two titanium caps, basically. So when you like when you have one kind of material hooked up to another kind of material, it causes corrosion no matter what it is. That's why you don't put like steel next to copper. Right. Because it's going to corrode. So they did that and they didn't like run proper tests. They went down. So it's expanding, contracting 20 times, dude. What did they think was going to happen? And it's not yeah. even fucking steel. They should have just went down in like like a steel ball, like like the uh, the Trieste in 1960 was just a bathosphere. It was just a big hunk of steel that was hollow in the middle, little tiny fucking thing to look out of. That thing had a big fucking like 20, 20 inch or 20 centimeter window on the front. Are they insane? And it was only <laughs> it, it was only fucking rated to 1600 meters. And that thing went down yeah. to almost 4,000 meters. They're trying to die or just stupid. Yeah. It was unbelievable, dude. The more I found out in the last two days about this, I'm like, how did how did they not see this happening? How did they think they'd actually be down there like breathing? They only have 24 hours of air left. No, they've been dead for days. Dead. So I saw this interesting thing on YouTube and they were talking about what happens to what would happen. Right. And essentially when they start this individual that made this video they did math whatever i didn't i didn't really write it down and verify their calculations but they <laughs> basically calculated that that this the compression the crushing would have happened like instantaneously essentially like within fractions of a second so there would be no time for them to know what was going on or anything like that if there's any, if there's any sort of breach yeah right? just yeah just well obviously there was because it this thing, this thing had sensors on the inside, though, so there may have been, like, right before anything actually breached, it may have been compacting, and the alarms went off, so there may have been a few seconds of pure panic when they realized it was collapsing, and then boom, there. They wouldn't even even uh, seen their own death. It would have been panic. seeing water squirting out of the... But you wouldn't see that, though. You would As soon as that happens, it's just dead. Yeah. Too much pressure. It, yeah. It was, I think, 5,500 pounds per square inch of pressure. That's and insane. So, at, at that at that force, they oh were God. looking at like thirty to fifty milliseconds from the Mill- time that it, there would have been a breach, to the time they would have been dead. They would have not known. It. They would have just been vaporized. Yep. And look, the human body takes hundred and fifty milliseconds to register pain. So it they it would have taken them like three to five times longer to even register there was pain before they were vaporized. I think my nerve endings are dead. Anyway, that's a different thought. So yeah, that just seems insane, dude. It's, yeah. I, I just I don't understand how that the owner went down too, and it's like either he was so narcissistic or so full yeah. of himself, you know, or he was just dumb, or he had a, or, or he had a death wish, wanted to take a few billionaires with him. Who knows? I'm or starting. A, he did I'm it. Starting a conspiracy. Help me out, guys. He did it 19 <laughs> times, and he had no problem. So well, yeah, yeah, you get complacent. Yeah. Yep. Just hey, would that qualify show. for a Darwin Award? Has anyone? No, I don't know. It's almost too tragic because the people who just thought they were going down on an adventure, you know. Yeah, but still, I let's say you, you did it. Would you, you saw a fi- uh, carbon fiber thing? Would you go in it? 
Fuck no. I actually saw a video today of the process where they were winding it and they're not even like winding it like, like crossways. So it, it, you know, cross, 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 going different directions. They, they wound it in a straight direction, just like you would wind up like, uh, like the hose in your front yard. It was all spooled in one direction. And I saw that and I went, that's even, I'm not an engineer or a scientist, but that's insane, dude. I'm like that. It looked like it was going to fail. And it's like, it's an untested material. Just get a big fucking steel ball, brother, and you're going to be okay. <laughs> Did you guys read those the emails back and forth between him and the guy who, uh, and the company who was doing the uh, the window no. for him? No. No. Yeah, they, uh, he starts getting all upset with the guy because the guy's like, hey, buddy, like, you shouldn't be doing this, like, I'm I'm guaranteeing this. I know that you said that you want to go this far. I'm guaranteeing it for like sixteen to seventeen uh, hundred meters. Like that's that's what I'm doing. You want to go for like four? What was it? Four thousand meters? Three thousand? Four thousand meters? No, it, I'm, it was, I'm. The owner said it was rated to four thousand, but they're going to thirty eight hundred crush depth. So you don't want to go like right to the line of what it's rated. You want it yeah. to be rated way out there. So it's so strong that that's not even a question. He was insane. Yes. He was insane. So the, guy, the, so the guy tells him, like, I'm doing this for 16 to 1700. Like, that's as far as my company wants to be liable for it. So okay, unless you're just taking it that far, we wouldn't advise you to do this. The guy's response is, as an adventurer, I take it as an insult when I'm told I can't do something. It's like, are you fucking kidding me, man? Oh, like, fuck it. I take it back. I take it back. Darwin Award. <laughs> Full blown. There you go. There you go. <laughs> like, seriously, man. Like, I can't remember if I'm if I'm wording it exactly the way he worded it, but he said that it's an insult when he's basically challenged on these things. And the guy's like, I can assure you, I'm not trying to insult you. I'm just telling you, I professionally would not advise you to do this. And it was just disregarded. Ego. Utterly disregarded. Yep. Ego, narcissism. Yeah, totally. Fuck. Darwin Award. Yeah, Darwin. But is he good. the only guy that got crushed? No, four other, four other people. Yeah. yeah, like a nineteen-year-old kid or something wasn't one. Yeah, his dad was a billionaire. Took his son on a on a fun trip. Right, there was a an, a French explorer, I think, someone who I don't know if he wrote for a science magazine or something, but he had done something similar or many sorts of adventures like this before. And then there was another, I think, a, a wealthy a wealthy guy from England or something. I can't quite remember. Yeah. And I mean, I could honestly, I'm not. I'm not making fun of these people. I'm not like when I see the memes on Facebook, I I don't understand what's so funny about it. It's I know not. people are trying to be it's I don't know people are trying to be edgy about it, but I'm like, no. I don't see the humor, but I just don't feel the sympathy for it either. It's like you if I'm paying a quarter million dollars for a seat on a submarine, you bet your ass I'm doing research. I'm gonna be like, hey, submarine captain, give me your resources. Who can I talk to about this vessel? Not oh, here's a quarter million dollars or a half a million dollars. Thank you. You know, the only one I might feel sorry for is the 19 year old kid because he went in kind of trusting the adults, trusting his dad, so much fun, this and that. So he wasn't educated at all. But these other people yeah. could have educated themselves and realized this is fucking suicide. Yeah. So, you know, know, you you hit it right. I mean, you can't. I'm the same way, Tim. So yeah, it doesn't. I just, the memes aren't funny, but you can't. Some personal <laughs> accountability, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Common sense. I didn't tell him to do it. <laughs> Common sense. Common sense. Common sense. Well, hey man, we uh we totally have covered run the gamut here. Talked about all kinds of shit. 
You're like uh, well now I'd like to I, now I'd like to talk to you gentlemen about Jesus. No kidding. Sorry. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> yeah, funny. Okay. Well, man, Are we I, calling it already? Um, I don't know. What do we got? I feel like we're I, boring I, well, Tim. <laughs> are we boring you, Tim? Not at all. No. I think we're boring Dan, Tim. That's what it really. That's what it's really all Figures. about. Okay, we only have we have poultry guys. We have ghosts. No, I'm kidding. So, anyway, so Ed, what was your other ghost story? You had another ghost story. Yeah, tell us about this. Oh, what was it? I don't. There's a lot of stuff you, that's happened. Uh, something about a Target you worked at or something. I don't know. I just had it on my notes from last time. I wanted to ask you about the crazy well, thing at work. Okay, so, so I used to work at the Vista Target. Okay, and when you would go to the back room in like aisle 19 or something i can't remember the exact aisle you were right by all the power boxes like everything that powered target and you'd be back there and you'd hear voices and you'd see stuff and you would think oh man like weird and then my manager one day comes back and he's just looking at me like very strange i'm like what's going on he's like were you uh running around back here I'm like, no. He's like, I didn't think you were. It didn't look like you. I'm like, what didn't look like me? He's like, there was oh, somebody no. running between the aisles. No, 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 no. And I'm like, yeah, it always feels like there's someone back here. He's like, you feel that too? I'm like, yeah. Uh-uh. Like, uh-uh. Yeah, I've, I've always felt that way. And I'm like, I attributed it then and there to the power boxes. Like, it's probably like the EVPs or whatever it's called, like the... Uh, the EMFs scrambling your brain or something yeah yeah exactly EMFs yeah and so because like you'd hear the talking and you'd hear like I'd never heard voices I'd never seen stuff to all of a sudden just see it when you're on this one aisle in the back room it's like there's obviously a reason for it right so uh this guy I'm not gonna like this guy Mark he's this big guy right and he tells me he walks up and he goes can I ask you a question I'm like, yeah, what's going on, man? He goes, do you ever feel like you're not alone back here? I'm like, uh-uh. like there's someone looking over your shoulder? Uh-uh. He's no, like, no. He's like, exactly. I'm like, does it feel like <laughs> no. they get really close to you sometimes? No, and he's, like, he's like, yeah, he's like, no, he's like, I honestly could like feel them like, like come up on me sometimes. I'm like, yeah. So I tell my manager, Justin, that me and Mark are experiencing this. And Justin's like, so when Josh and Julie, these two managers, were doing inventory one night, the power went out. And when the power goes out, the flood doors close. There are these big rolling doors in the warehouse. So Josh is on one side, Julie's on the other, and when the power goes out, it's pitch black, and he can hear her screaming hysterically on the other side. So the lights turn back on, on, on the inside. Her. She's on the inside, right? They're both they're both inside the warehouse, but they're on different parts of the warehouse. So there's been doors that have closed to separate them. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. So the lights turn back on. The doors raise back up. Josh runs over to her, and she said that when the lights went out, as soon as the lights, everything went black, she just heard a bunch of footsteps running around her, and like closely like just circling her and uh that was a disgusting feeling when when justin told me that because 
that kind of like everything that we had experienced kind of came to a head there like okay so everyone's experience is not just us going crazy uh was there a transformer or something nearby maybe something yeah, caused was, some something that caused there some was sort the of big like power box that had all the all the wires and everything uh over by aisle 19 but it was just like it was it was an extreme situation that everyone who was by there experienced things you know and yeah, then that's yeah, yeah. that's the the aisle i had my headphones in and i'm listening to music and i hear a woman's voice come in between the headphone and my ear and just scream as loud as she can and like i almost fell over it startled me so bad cuz i'm like in my zone doing my work it was okay that's weird that's weird that's, weird. that's fucking weird and that's the place i think i told you guys this one where the security guard comes like hauling ass from the back room cuz after we closed everyone would meet up by the door and then once the manager was done they'd come up unlock the door and we'd all leave together so the manager's about to walk us out and the security guard just comes hauling ass from the back of the store and he's yelling, let me out, let me out, let me out. <laughs> so, apparently, because I never heard from him again, I never saw him again, I asked and no one had heard anything. He had witnessed something in the back room that made him just quit and leave and that was the end of his tenure at Target. How long did you work there? I worked there Six years. Oh shit! And he put you a little did they all know it was you who did it the whole time. I Whoa! was the target goat. I would have continued if it wasn't for those meddling kids. <laughs> <laughs> I loved watching these people shit their pants. It was awesome. So, what do you, what do you think that is? Did anyone know of any story or any urban legend about the target there, or do you know anything about it? Masses no, but that. But that's the place where I saw the orb in the bathroom, like where it was just a full-blown red ball that just flew into the mirror and disappeared. And I'm like, okay, I literally saw that. Like there was no reflection. There was nothing. I'm standing in a bathroom alone, and this red light just flew, floated over into the mirror and disappeared. What? Was it quick? Yeah. Like out of the corner of your no, eye, was it slow going across like a... It was just very gradually, like literally, like this is like the pace that I'm by. Like it caught my attention. It's doing this, and I'm like, "What the fuck is that?" And it just floats and then goes boop into the mirror. Just disappears. It hits the mirror and disappears. Alien. <laughs> well, you've seen that. I've seen video of that um, this one guy said he was like in his house and he saw like an orb come through the wall, like circled around like it was looking for something in the room and then went through the wall and left. And he was like, "What the fuck was that?" So I've heard stories about that kind of thing happening. That's weird shit, dude. So aliens, like with cloaking. No, device. I'm not saying it's aliens, but it, but it's. <laughs> I just said that interdimensional beings. I don't know. Yeah, it's just right? strange. Yeah. Man. Wait a minute. This this coincides with the ten years you were selling mushrooms, Tim. Just kidding. <laughs> well, I mean, shall we wrap it up? Oh, what? Yeah, tell us. Tell us. Well, I was just gonna tell say. Story. No, there's no story, but. I mean, oh, I'm on. not like a, oh. I'm not like a religious person. I wouldn't even say I'm like spiritual, you know. Uh, <gasps> but I kind of have this. I take things <laughs> in a very. I try to like rationalize them, you know. But what's yeah. interesting about these types of things is it's hard to, I guess, uh, make these two divergent thought processes um, merge together somehow, right? Because on one hand, I think what I think is logically. I think everyone thinks they think logically, but. I want proof. I want to see things that, you know, and certain things there's a explanation or it doesn't make sense. And 
whatever. But then you can't deny certain things that are beyond the observable, measurable world. You know, um, I, I've been, I think like you could go to certain places that for whatever reasons, maybe something bad happened. Right. Um, if you go to like, you have to figure that going to like a Dachau or something like that, Auschwitz, where yeah. these things happened, there has to be, you know, it seems like there would almost be this feeling. And is that like a residue, you know, and like, if it's a residue, then how is it only science and measurable? You yeah. know what I mean? So I kind of am divergent on those two thought processes. Um, it's like an imprint. What do you think? What do you think? Like about residual hauntings? Yeah. Or like residual I mean, about, activity? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that because I don't want to get too far into something and have it sound like I'm trying to describe like a spirit or a soul. But I believe at some point there is some energy inside of us, like basically the mind. It's I like do. it's not hardware. It's software, yeah. you I know? Yeah. And it's like, who's to say the mind doesn't continue after you die? What what shuts off that energy? Just because because you think about it kind of acting independently from the brain. The brain needs the heart to survive. That's great. Does the mind, you know, like, I don't know. And so there, there's something bigger going on, I think, too. Okay. And so, I mean, yeah, like with that, it's, I think like, okay, so if, if the mind is, is an energy that's able to continue, then that could be what we perceive as ghosts or spirits. It's someone's intentions or someone's will acting out, even though they're not there in a physical presence, you know? I think if there's not a bunch of turmoil, like you don't die suddenly or tragically or violently or something, or you have unsettled things in your life, I think you, you kind of just poof, you go, maybe reincarnation, you go into the next body or next vessel, whatever. But if there is something that really has messed you up or something you need settled, that's what the ghosts are. They're the ones who are in some sort of turmoil. Yeah. I mean, why would they still be here if they, if they're there, if there was finished business, I mean, why would you be here? You know? Yeah. And you know how some people say they, they see their granddad or their parents after they die or, or maybe your friend, you know, they, they have these weird dreams or visions. This, that. When my dad died, I had none of it. I've never felt like yeah. he was here with me or like he was in the corner of my eye. I never had dreams about him. And my interpretation of that was he he led a good life and he died comfortable and, and you know, he wasn't like in some sort of upheaval and just was gone. And it was that simple. There you go. I mean, I, I completely, it's weird that you say that because my grandpa, my he's not my blood relative, but my mom's stepdad, he has made his presence felt so many times after his death with so many different people. It's just strange. It's like, what unfinished business do you have? You know? Interesting. He's, and this is, I know because I don't expect people to believe the stuff that I tell them because it's so outlandish. It's so just beyond no, no, to me. To me, it is. You know, oh, it's okay. like if a stranger was to walk up and tell me what I just told you, I'd be like, "Cool bullshit." You know? <laughs> no, I think you know, dude. You maybe get, go get some medicine or something, right? But but when when you kind of have the same mindset or you you've experienced things, I I personally haven't really experienced ghosts per se. At least I don't think they're ghosts. You know, weird shit's happened in my old house and here. But I, I always have to rationalize it like it was just this, that, something's creaking, house settling, whatever. It could be a bunch of things, right? But um, as far as like UFOs and stuff like that, you know, when you see it, I thought it was real. When you see it, it's confirmation. 
Dan's had more experience with ghosts than I have. Yeah, I, I had a, I, th- I mentioned it before on here, so I won't get too into it. But yeah, growing up, the house that that I grew up in, um, I would have these certain things that I would catch out of the corner of my eye that was like light, and not necessarily even out of the corner, but just like it would be this light going across this this open door, always in this hallway, even when it was dark, and there'd be no. It was almost like if my home had a front window that faced like a street where every time someone turned left or whatever, the light would pan across the window or something. We didn't have that. So there was no way that that would happen. So I, I had that, saw that multiple times. And then later on come to find out my mom saw the same thing. My brother saw the same thing over the years too, but it was never anything that like felt that it was anything. It wasn't like you felt creepy, like, oh, there's something up on me or I'm not hearing voices. It was just like, it just was there. So that was yeah. kind of interesting. It puzzled you, didn't it? Yeah, but you know, like, I I don't know. I, I, I grew up there and I lived there a long time. So I don't remember like my fir- the first time it happened or anything, but it would happen through the years after a while. I was like, you'd see the corner of your eye and I did not really give another thought because that happens sometimes, you know? I don't know. It's, it's never, just, yeah. They run the they run the gamut <laughs> from yeah. that to hearing voices and stampedes of whatever around you in the darkness. Oh, <laughs> fuck that. Fuck that. Dude, that sounds like no fun, man. I'd be like, okay, what's going on in this fucking target, man? Can we like get some <laughs> can we get some like video cameras in here or something, please? But it was yeah, only multiple there. people. It was only there oh. in the bathroom. It wasn't like in in you know in the underwear aisle or in the electronics department. There were no poltergeists coming out of the TV. No. Oh, it shit, was there's all more. over. It was all over the store, and even it was caught on camera. No oh, shit. Yeah. Let me guess. The tape vanished. Hmm. No, because uh, this guy Ryan worked in electronics, and uh, he would tell me he's like, "Bro, you don't know the half of it." He's like, "These cameras will go off beeping like someone's pulling on them." He goes, I'll come out here and no one's here. Everyone's at the front of the store. He goes, you know the way those cameras are set up. You need to pick them up out of their cradle in order for them to go off. And he goes, so who the hell is pulling these things? Well, the camera caught one of the ca- or one of the cameras on display just falling out of its cradle. It needed to be lifted up to fall out of its cradle. Like it was like full blown. If if I showed you the way the device is set up, you'd be like, that makes sense. There's no way that could have yeah. happened without someone coming along and interfering with it they have like, like the not like oh it was per- goes into the receptacle right so it's exactly kind of sits in there and exactly. you have to lift it out four or five inches six inches whatever to get out of that holder yeah i've seen those exactly it's not gonna fall out it's not like it was perched precariously on the edge and it just happened to fall off you need to pick that thing up out of the cradle and then it'll fall and there was a footage of it happening where they were like oh target ghost like it was just funny to everybody because everyone had experienced the ghost it was just like there's our evidence right there, but that was it. There was it never went any further than that. <laughs> Fuck new song, Target Ghost. There you go, <laughs> dude. No, six years, you're insane, dude. I'd be like, nope, I'm done. <laughs> Fuck this. <laughs> if I said I was in a good place mentally when I worked there, I'd be lying. <laughs> hey, maybe it was a poltergeist, and it was all coming from you. You should research. Yeah, to, right. Uh, you should research to see if that still happens since you left. Uh huh. I know. Just go in and ask. I, you know what? Have you seen the call? Have you seen the poltergeist yet? 
Yeah, there you go. No, I, next time I go to that Target, sometimes I'll just ask the cashier, be like, "You should." You guys ever have any weird shit that happens here? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Please, I gotta know. I gotta know. I gotta know. Because next time you, when you ask her, tell me what she says. Because I want to see the. Oh, you should have seen the look on her face, dude. That's what I want to hear. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Poor no, lady. not till just now. Poltergeist surrounding you. Anyway, <laughs> we should wrap it up, right, Dan? Yeah. Well, hey, Tim. Thank you a lot once again for talking with us, uh, rescheduling and being real flexible for us. Um, it's been awesome. I want to catch a show of you guys. Uh, before we wrap up, though, can you tell everyone listening where they can find you, your book and all that stuff, as well as information about Paroxysmal and uh, all that good stuff? I think my merch, all that. Next shows. Absolutely. Next shows. Oh, okay. So we don't have any shows coming up for the foreseeable future. We're not going to be playing shows for a while. But we do have our fourth album, Force Feeder, coming out on CDN Records uh, Friday, June 30th. I believe it's Friday, June 30th. Um, you can pre-order it now. You can order it when it comes out, whatever you want to do. Look us up online, Paroxysmal, P-A-R-O-X-Y-S-M-A-L. Um, check out the Eastern Outskirts if you're into dark humor and uh short stories and fiction that kind of stuff uh and then also check out exeter if you are into dissonant death grind that is a new project i'm working on and it is very chaotic you should check it out exeter. oh sweet i didn't know this is it yeah. you, is it just it? well it i started writing it by myself but now i have a guitar player and a bass player who's who are going to record on the actual album it's a grind project so i wrote 30 songs so we have a good, solid twenty-minute album. <laughs> are you are you playing guitar and singing, or just singing? Uh, I'm thinking I'm just gonna be doing singing. I might try guitar, but I'm thinking just singing right now. All right. Yeah, you should go on YouTube and look it up afterward. It's it's chaotic stuff. I, I want to see you playing guitar and singing. That, that sounds. I bet that'd be fucking rad, dude. That's what you got to do. Get that second guitar in there and fucking do your own thing. That would be so difficult, but I got to give it a shot. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. I, you know, singing on its own is so much fun. I've only done it a few times with a couple bands filling in, but it was so much fun being able to move around and, and uh, dude. Yeah. So, yeah, forget what I said. Stay singing. Fuck it. <laughs> well, once again, we're talking with Tim, uh, author of The Eastern Outskirts and also a vocalist of Paroxysmal, San Diego metal band. Thanks again for joining us, Tim. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Thank Tim. you guys very much. And uh, we will see you next time, right, Dan? Yep. Thanks for listening, everyone.